Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one cuck boy, featuring, joining me as always in the High and Mighty studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris, who just peaced out with his toy. Also joining me in the High and Mighty studios is longtime buddy, first time guest, put it together for writer, podcaster, Andrew Goldstein! Here we go! I, I almost started giving you a wrestling intro based solely on <laughs> knowing you. <laughs> Give me a gimmick. Uh, just literally just landed in LA, yep. came right to the Gabrus compound. You're in a full sweatsuit, which shows that you are a New Yorker, but not in LA. You're, you're in a full black sweatsuit, and it's like 91 degrees here. <laughs> yeah, I fly like a woman. I yeah. have full sweats, hoodie, the whole deal. Tights, uh, you know, leggings, a hoodie, and uh, a neck pillow. <laughs> um, Goldstein, dude, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh I'm God. so pumped, and uh, we'll we'll plug it at the end. But I love your podcast too. And Sorry, you're coming so on. I'm going to be do- doing Goldich, that. Goldich, former guest to the pod here, game shows episode. Yeah, your we podcasting partner are doing a day of LA recordings. I know. I'm and super you pumped. are doing it, so we're excited. I'm so pumped. Uh, what a way to get on your podcast is wait till you fly to where I live. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and here's the worst. Here's the worst part. I'm going to be in New York on like September 6th for like 10 days. Oh, we can with way you. more free time. <laughs> Um, uh, before we go any further, uh, you know about this, Andrew, but I'm going to read some reviews of my podcast. So shitheads or first time listeners, as you know, if you rate me five stars on the iTunes, uh, customer reviews and roast me in the comments, I will read them. So for example, here you go. This is called special guest LJ dash for this app. Okay. I literally love Glom Jabrish in every guest appearance he's ever made on podcasts that aren't his own. If I could, I would only listen to episodes of Improv for Humans, Horatio, and Comedy Bang Bang that feature him. Okay, so far this is a compliment. It better fucking get angry. To listen to this show is a regular test of my love for his character work. I wish this podcast was a direct ripoff. Uh, Headgum may want to consider something like that. Blob hairbrush. I can count on one hand the episodes I've liked and I've listened to them all. Uh, you know that was kind of more complimentary than anything else. I weirded like, out at how nice that was. Yeah, it was a little too nice. Little, I mean, it 
it's unfortunately the actual criticism. There of this was show. a there was an eclipse yesterday, so maybe we're in like a reverse time continuum. Oh yeah, fuck, dude! I didn't even think of that. We're in an alternate dimension. Is yeah, what it's it all be. positive reviews. No, I can't have that. But they <laughs> still mispronounce your name. Yeah, yeah, I cannot have positive reviews. Clown hairbrush. It'll fuck me up too much. Um, I already have a raging ego. I actually need these roasts to bump me back <laughs> down to tolerable. Um, this is actually the the hard part about reading that review is that it's. It's the legitimate criticism of my podcast is that it's not as funny as right. comedy. But those are comedy podcasts. My podcast is me talking to Those are to shows friends. where there's like pre-production and time put in <laughs> right. and people's lives are on the line with their, their salaries. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is literally something I do so that I don't just get high and play video games all day. <laughs> uh, I did work out this morning, but you'll yeah. hear more about... Hey, as anyone who any listener of the podcast knows, I worked out today, so I'll talk about it for the next month and a half. You look good. I feel good. I'm doing great. Um, wait, hold on. This is another compliment. What are what are people doing here? Hold on, let me try to scan through. Okay, here we go. He's just like me from KJ Animal Mother. Are you unsuccessful in your chosen profession and have a poor self-image? If you are in a decade-long pattern of self-destruction, then look no further. John Gashbrush's podcast is for you. Five out of five. This is all I have. <laughs> John Gashbrush. <laughs> I like it. Gashbrush is something very specific. <laughs> That's where you comb pubic hair with? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you comb the gash. Yeah, only on the gash mighty, wound are we still calling vaginas gash? The gash wound that never heals. The hatchet wound. Yeah, the, the axe slit. wound. I've heard it all. Yeah. I heard it all from my father. Never seen one. <laughs> but with language like this, you're not supposed to see it. <laughs> the second you say gash, you're not allowed to see it, gash. Um, this is The Roast Stays Moist by Pink Budget. Preheat oven to 375 degrees. Grease large disposable baking pan with olive oil and butter. Put one John Gabris in the pan and baste with salty, peppery, rosemary, sage, butter mixture every 45 minutes for five hours. Garnish with coarsely chopped carrots, potatoes, celery, and onion while waiting for your perfectly roasted John Gabris to cook. You can listen to numerous episodes of this ridiculous podcast. I feel like that review would have fit perfectly in the DC Pearson cooking episode. Right, maybe that's when it came from uh, July 10th. It's quite possible that that's yeah. exactly... Uh, uh, based in a dot. <laughs> <laughs> oh here we go uh, uh, One last one Then we'll get um, Jan Gargis Ruined the Big Lebowski for me Because he made me realize What a bummer the dude would be In real life <laughs> Objectively terrible But I never miss an episode There I, you go I feel like Jan Gargis Is a bad Is a is a villain On Game of Thrones yeah. <laughs> Ride with me Jan Gargis We ride to the wall Um did you watch last night? Oh, yeah. Or first of all, Sunday Twitter nights? hates it. And I'm loving this season because I understand shit for the first <laughs> time in seven years. It's it's the lead. Like, I, I, read I don't so need it to be super intelligent. Right. I read some review that said uh, bad writing, still a great show. And I think that's the writing has gotten it's gotten more mainstream. It's like well, the show is more like, uh, is he going to die? Last minute rescue. Is he going to die? Last minute rescue. I remember like improv 101. They were like, avoid connection Island at the end of your scene right. where you try to make everything fit. Yeah. That, this season is connection Island. Right. And we've been working towards it, but it's almost like, don't you get the vibe a little bit that uh, the creators of game of Thrones were like, they got the red light 
and they're like, oh, fuck, we have to wrap this up. And they yeah. like took six, like, uh, 13 episode hour long seasons to build. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, shit, we have 16 episodes to get it all done. Uh, okay, yeah, the flying here, dragons here, this, that, the boat, the boats are fast, the ravens are fast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no more like 13 week treks to from one side of the world to the other. Right. The wall, like, it's getting like to the wall was a season with, uh, yeah. with Dinklage and Jon Snow. And now they've gone from the wall to other places in well, half an episode. It, I haven't spent too much time in LA, but it's like when watching 24 and he's and he was like, I'm 15 minutes out. And even I know you're never 15 minutes out anywhere in LA. I know. We can go to the coffee shop on the corner and walk there and wouldn't take us, would take us more yeah. than 15 minutes. He would hop in the car and be in Pasadena <laughs> to <laughs> defuse a bomb within like the first 20 minutes of an episode. That's really funny. Do you watch the show Bosch by any chance? I don't. I think you might like it. Really? Um, it's very LA heavy to the point where like anytime they're outside. So it's about Chris Bosch. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And it's he about- had that weird heart condition, had to retire, and then he becomes a private detective. This is about... Uh, uh, a dude, uh, Bosch, who's like an ex-Navy SEAL, who's now a L.A. cop, pl- doesn't play by the rules. He's kind of old-fashioned that way. And uh, he's a total badass. Um, and like his mom was a hooker who was murdered and it was covered up. So like there's like all these layers to it. But the fun thing about it is it's such an L.A. show. Apparently the books, Michael Connolly, he like is a foodie that lives in LA. So like all of the scenes take place in like birds or right. at like, he's like, he's no, like Cactus the Aziz Ansari of yeah. uh, <laughs> cop dramas. Yeah. He literally says things like, no, the best Al Pastor is at this <laughs> truck, you know? And then in, in this last season, they're like waiting in line at uh shake shack. <laughs> it's the one, the new one. And he's like, so what is this place? Nothing beats in and out. Like it's the most LA right. conversation. And the show also, the reason this all came up is sometimes he'll be like, parked in a car and it'll show the street signs yeah like it's like the only show i ever know that he's like i'm on the corner of pico and western i'm making a right heading north on western like they go apparently in the in the books too it gives like his exact paths like he tries he's like I, he took laurel canyon to melrose heading right. east on and there's nerd super fans who are yeah. like actually the- <laughs> that's not the quickest way but that is la turns you into that and it's like oh you're taking the 101 no way not a four you want to go there <laughs> well wait since you brought up burgers real quick since shake shack it's the first one here yeah, there uh, there is. I think now two here, but uh, we our first one here. Yeah. I get in a superheated, passionate debate with lots of people, but mostly Andrew Schultz. Whenever he uh, posts on any social media about how much he loves In and Out, I always put some kind of comment about how I'm Team Shake Shack over <laughs> In and Out, and we get in this. You know, he can be super intellectual about stupid shit, and he's uh, antagonistic as fuck. Antagonist. <laughs> so we get in these heated debates, and he's like, "All you like is the bun. The bun is the only reason, you know, whatever." But I'm Team Shake Shack. I'm Team. Uh, look, I love both, and uh, you would think as so like a lifelong New Yorker, but here's where I stand. I don't think they're. I think it's a different burger. It's I a, agree. That's what I. This is my. It's argument. a different price point. Yeah, even like in and out, like a double double uh, with uh, cheese from In and Out is like two dollars and eighty five cents. Shake Shack is boutique. Yeah, Shake Shack. Even is, though they're they're ubiquitous now, they're like in Dubai and shit. Right, but it's still a nine dollar burger. It's made with, you know, Pat Lafrida beef and yeah. all that shit. Yeah, um, it, they're two, I love them both. They're two different. And here's the only thing: In and Out does not stay well at all. Like 100%. you have to eat it there. You cannot drive it home. You cannot Postmates it. I, uh, Shake Shack is better than that. 
Yeah. Yes. That. Travels well. I feel like Shake Shack's ingredients have um, decreased in in quality. The I think lettuce sh- is always disgusting. The to- like I don't get the tomato, but uh, right. the lettuce to me, I always. Are you a to- no tomato on burgers guy? Never. I'm a no tomato on sandwiches and burgers guy. Yeah. Some well, sandwiches I, don't like to- to- I like tomato products. I don't like tomato in its raw form. Uh, I'm very that, picky. This could fair. be the whole podcast is me, <laughs> my peccadillos about food. Uh, I mean, we could talk. I mean, you are a as m- maybe my cl- like you are the burger. I am in a burger club i reach out yeah (laughs) i reach out to you about burgers when i want to try a new one or have you had this one well Uh, i uh uh, i went last time i was in la i went to castles have you been there no castles castles oh i think it's called castles two ss two two l's it's in chinatown yeah unbelievable very good i loved it that's the best burger i've had in la so the two burgers that I've heard very good things about that I still haven't had are that place uh, and Apple Pan. Uh, Apple Pan's cool. It's like you. It's like 1955, and yeah. like you expect. You sit at the white section, and eat a burger. Yeah, you, you expect like somebody to get hosed down. Right. You're like, are you sure you want to sit at the counter? It yeah. seems like uh, we're making a statement. A lot of Trump supporters yeah. going there. No, but um, it's very old timey. Yeah. Have you had uh, Father's Office? Yeah, you know, I, I need to try it again because I, I, I tried it at like the beginning of my burger uh, obsession yeah. and I didn't like it. I found it to be a a, a burger sandwich. Right. It kind of is because it's on like rye, I think, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's not. It, it's more of a meatloaf sandwich. Right. It's really good. It's really good, but it's not a traditional burger and they don't let you do anything to it. Like yeah, Manetta they're very style. like militant. Yeah. I like umami. I like umami too. I'm getting a little tired of it. Well, it's like that was the big deal out here before it came east i feel like umami went the way of shake shack where it was like holy shit this place is good now there's six of them and am i over it or do they just not taste as good are they not doing as good of a job anymore not as much umami right yeah it's a little light on the mommy (laughs) uh and then pie and burgers somewhere i've always wanted to go but it's in pasadena so like when the fuck let's go let's go what time's your meeting i I literally could cancel the meeting (laughs) let's get in the car and go get pie and burger um well, we we could talk burgers all day. Yeah, yeah. it'll uh, come up again. Don't it'll worry come up about again. It. But what we did want to talk check about, out my Instagram at Goldstein Andrew. You'll see like every burger I've eaten in the last like six years. Yeah, and it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, we should talk. I'm our sipping topic- Lipitor right now, <laughs> guys. He's lying. It's a big uh, glass of chopped meat with two. <laughs> No tomatoes, but <laughs> tartar. Um, let's talk about. We were going to talk about MTV networks, not speci- not growing up watching it, which is something we probably could also talk about. But specifically, we're going to talk about working there because you and I, despite never truly like only working together very uh, briefly and or like intermittently, yeah, and disconnected. Like you working on Guy Code, but not no writers were really there when we were shooting yeah. and you working on Charlemagne show, but me only doing it once, but right. But we, we did do guy code honors, oh, which right. is really yeah. where we kind of like established a report. Uh, well, we, we, yeah, we learned that like how long we've, how many different people we had in con- like yeah. all our mutual. Well, friends I'll just say, yeah. So, uh, like my idea for pitching you, like coming on and talking about MTV is like, you've been on so many. Yeah. And I've, written and produced on so many yeah and i and was, yet we haven't like mtv produces so much content we've we've rarely crossed paths right and i was an intern at yeah that, so mtv and all of like 1515 and the lodge 1633 yeah so so we thought maybe we should uh hash what, what was your first mtv job um uh, boiling points Oh, awesome. So I got hired uh, as writer's assistant on the, the Comedy Central roast of Dennis Leary. By the way, first joke I ever got on TV. 
Nice. Very, I have it framed from the from the script. <laughs> That's I, I awesome. I got a joke in Dennis's rebuttal. Oh, cool. And John Stewart wasn't. Uh, he didn't show up. So the joke was uh, John Stewart wanted to be here, but somebody put his car keys on top of his TV. He's still at home <laughs> trying to get them, re- trying to reach them. I love a classic short joke. Um, Works. And from there, John Blit was one of the. Uh, uh, on John Blit was no, through some of the coordinating producers and stuff from a show called Make My Day, which I PA'd on. Mm-hmm. It was like a reality show. It was a lot of the same producers. That was like the positive prank show, right? Yeah, whatever. And I kept in touch with Blit, and he got me writer's assistant on the roast through uh, some people. And then then he got boiling points, and he emailed me, and he said, "Hey, do you know any good uh, PAs?" And I was like, "Yeah, me." <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, and you just I was like, like, meanwhile, I was the worst PA. Ask anybody. Right, but you just wanted to work on that show. Yeah, yeah. Because it was I like a comedy a forward show. A, it was comedy. I wanted a gig. And for um, those of you who don't know what boiling points are, because maybe you are under thirty-four, but it's like the it, first MTV punk. It was like predates. It punked. was like yeah. the dope uh, prank show. Right. It was like how, and it was like all about setting a timer, like, a, and how long yeah, the you person could in, last before they. Walk into a coffee shop and something goes wrong with the change and the guy's like giving you the business behind the counter and there's a clock in the corner that's like ticking down from three minutes and if if they last the three minutes yeah and if they last without like blowing up at the guy like fuck you give me my money back right you're out go to the next guy and launched some really weird careers like uh dax shepherd bj novak uh, billy merritt those guys were all those those are punked those are the cast is amazing colton dunn Billy, yeah, Billy Merritt. Colton Dunn, who's on... Um, Superstore. Superstore. Yeah. Billy Merritt, who is like Mr. UCB. Yeah. Uh, Allison Becker, who was on Parks and Rec. Right. Uh, Rebecca Johnson, who was one of the beatdown biddies just on, on Glow. Glow, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. I, I blended Punked and uh, Boiling Points in my head of who was yeah. there. But uh, still... Like, a, 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 un- Katie Dippold, who was like amazing who, yeah, screenwriter. Who just wrote Snatched. <laughs> and, Insane. Uh, Insane cast. Yeah. I forgot that Dippold was on that. Yeah. Very that, briefly. Very yeah. briefly. That was so... She didn't have the heart to be pranking people and yeah. ruining their day. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, my first gig was... Uh, Boiling points. I was a PA, got promoted to uh, associate producer, and the whole time, because the filter was so small of what worked as a prank, they were like everybody pitch ideas, and they meant it. Like yeah. everyone was pitching, pitching, pitching. I, I, I would, I finally started to get ideas through the filter, and then once my ideas started getting produced. I just asked, I was like, hey, next time one of my ideas gets greenlit, can I write the script? And they were like, sure. So as an AP, I ended up writing five segments. And then the third season when like, all right, you're in your third season of an MTV show, you get a little, the show gets a little more money. They were like, all right, we're going to bring in a third writer. And instead of hiring an outside person, they bumped me. And then once I became a writer in the MTV system, it was like... 10 years. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, you're doing that up until now. <laughs> My next gig after that was a Britney Spears countdown special. <laughs> Cause so the, I have run the gamut. MTV networks is like a weird place to be a writer in a way. Cause it's like, it's non guild. It's non guild. It's like you're a writer, but you're also a segment producer and a post producer and a field Everybody producer. Is everything. Yeah. And it's like a weird, cause like, the hot, you saying I went from PA to AP, like I'm sure a lot of people who work in TV know this, but like MTV was so, like so structured. It's like you're a PA for around a year. Yeah. Then if you're on the same show, or hopefully you jump from shows, you'll eventually get AP, and then you get segment producer, and There's then you're the a producer. It's yeah. The- and 
it's the uh, like the the ladder is inverse in that you start making money with each step up and you start doing less work with each 100 percent. and it's like the ultimate thing and it's the reason why people stay at mtv and overwork themselves for shit money or even stay at a high-ranking job that if you were a producer on an abc show you'd make a fortune if you're a producer on an mtv show you can make a thousand dollars you know fifteen hundred dollars a week which is great money but not tv producer money necessarily a lot of people like become executives yeah it's just easy to stay there because the work gets you doing less and it's Every the shit you're doing, and maybe it's a problem with MTV now. Is it's like sort of what you did on the last gig. So it's like, yeah, I'm very good at this. Yeah. Well, I got I just got into this whole like I loved I loved award shows and live TV and stuff. And yeah. So like right out of the gate, I wrote like five Woody Awards, which was MTVU's award show. Yeah. Donald I was Lover like the Bruce one of those. I remember. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did that one with yeah. DC Pearson. And uh, I was like the Bruce Valanche of the Woodies by that time. Yeah. Like I had done five. <laughs> I did like five New Year's shows, which we'll get into because I have fun Jersey Shore. Well, that's like, episodes, those are the jobs stories. that are the fun ones at MTV because it's like the six week gig or five week gig and that leads up to show. it's one yeah. show and it's live. And yeah. So you don't have to do po- when yeah. you're when you're coming up at MTV, you want like uh, one of you want a job that starts and ends at a good time so you can get on another one. Yeah. Or you want one that's like. Like I got on, I remember my first job, first of all, I interned on I Love the 90s part two. So v, like VH1. VH1. Yeah. I was at 1633. I worked at VH1. Then I went to, um, then I went to shit. Celebrity Diet Secrets was my first wow. PA job transcribing interviews with Moby, Mel C and some uh, soap opera. So they really dug deep on Celebrity Diet Secrets. For one one off episode. Then I did Top 20 Music Videos of 2004, which was like a standard VH1 Not gig. bad. Not bad. Jim Shearer? What? Who was the host? Oh, Jim Shearer? I forget who Becker. the... Oh, no. Uh, um, uh, Arquette. Uh David? No, no, the Patricia? woman. Patricia. Wow. Yes, yes. That's a good get for VH1. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, um, great producer on that job, this woman, Holly. Uh, and then I was trying to get hired at Best Week Ever because Best Week Ever didn't rap, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it was weekly. Cr- yeah. It was hard. It was it was the most comedy thing VH1 was doing, and I was, like, doing yeah, UCB classes, was in the comedy. So I finally got hired on that, and then I was a PA on that for, like, a year. And meanwhile, like, people I'm taking improv classes for are, like, Paul Shear is my improv teacher. Yeah. And he's coming in. I got put on a Harold team while I was, uh, I got the call at my work there number. There was from- always that weird, um, yeah, I'm a PA on this show, but I also do comedy. And then, like, there would be those producers that look down on you. I... I, I swear to God, like, I oh, hold this guy pitching himself. I hold such a grudge to Do about it. four or five yeah. uh, high level producers from uh, Best Week Ever because I interviewed to be a writer on the show. Uh, like I wrote a packet up and I sat down with Ann Cohen, who is one of these like high level uh, writing executives there. And she's like, well, why do you want to be a writer? I was like, well, I like doing comedy. I like working on this show. And I think writing will be more fun than being a PA. And she's like, with that attitude, you'll never be a writer. Wow. I was like, okay. And then there was a These couple fucking of fucking gatekeepers, man. I know it. And and it in hindsight, now that I know more about the business, it's all just survival. It's like, oh, if I bring in this funny person, I could be gone. So they it is like a culture, and this is not a knock against you. This is more specific to my experience, but like it is a culture of like get in there and shut the door behind you and like yeah. don't let any fucking young talent pop up, you know. That's why well, there's like 
five 50 year old people writing on best week ever for a show that's being watched by 17 what always drove me crazy like in hindsight what drove me crazy is they never knew what they had because look at the people who came through best week ever they're all fucking leading hollywood kumail yeah paul Shear, rob hube like all of them came through and they didn't keep one of them i have a friend who was collins yeah (laughs) i have a friend paul f tompkins is the only one they kept and they still like and they they only kept him for like i contend to this day if they never touched best week ever and let it stay in its original form with the voiceover being the star and yeah and just cycle in it would still be on it would still be on yes i mean so many shows like Guy Code that we both worked on was a, a, a descendant of Best Week Ever, which was a descendant of I Love the 80s, which was sort of the one that really yeah, brought well, it back. VH1 yeah. started the talking head thing, and then, yeah. you know, everyone, Ryan Ling took it to a different place. Yeah, exactly. And, and more and more people will continue. But, uh, my friend uh, Bob uh, Castrone, who, who's been a guest on this podcast and has his own head gum podcast, uh, throwback podcast, he talks about. Like he was bringing in talent for Comedy Central uh, for VH1 to check out, and they were passing on people. And the people that they were passing on were like Aziz Ansari. Oh my you God. know what I mean? Like they were just passing on people who are absolute mega stars. Yeah, now. and it still happens to this day throughout all of the channels. Yeah, they just never have the wherewithal to like figure out what to do with a certain piece of talent or like lock them to like a, I don't know, some kind of good deal that the well, person like, would want to like, stay under. Like a uh, fucking guy code's a great example. Me, Schultz, Damian Lemon and Krista Stefano and Jordan Carlos. And I mean, uh, Pete Davidson and, and Pete Davidson. And there's like eight and they're some of the, the women from girl code too. These are all people who were killing it for them. And then all went off and got their own individual. Sh- yeah. It feels like, um, fucking uh, Comedy Central with John Oliver and oh, you know my, yeah. like shit <laughs> whoops <laughs> wait, wait wait Samantha B. oh no damn it well, you know it's like it's just it's it's just another lesson in and it's a lesson in uh, nobody knows what they're doing right well someone one time said uh, MTV's interesting it's 50 year olds telling 40 year olds what 30 year olds to hire um, to show to 20 year olds right <laughs> like it's like pretty much yeah because i feel old there when i'm pr- like a talent and then you like the people who are telling you what's good and what's not good are 20 years older than me or 10 years older than me and i'm like we- i feel out of touch there's no way you're in touch you know yeah. well um, i just uh i remember doing the first like right after the first season of uh jersey shore the whole cast hosted MTV New Year's and I wrote the show, right? And when the ball dropped and we like partied in the studio, they all as a collective had a an engagement at a club later that like a like a 1 a.m. they show up like club right appearance. They get paid as a X collective amount of thousands of dollars. Yeah, like 10k yeah. split between Open all bar, six yeah. of them, whatever. Yeah. The next year they hosted again, I wrote the show and the ball dropped and each individual cast member had their own club appearance that they had, except for Sammy and Ronnie, who they were a tandem. Yeah. But it just was that like progression, like from one year. Yeah, to you the can next. And, and you can and you can like clock it of just like yeah. And they were just like by by one almost one year in they like the their MTV money was like spending cash. Right. Well, they were yeah. They and were, it was everything else. Yeah, they were making it and all And that's from, really, yeah. you know, that's a microcosm of like everything. Like right. All these it's dudes. like the, all the people who made money at uh, on Guy Code and Girl Code, 
didn't make it on the show, they made it touring. Yeah. Because people got to know who they were. Because then you have a credit that, it, you know, yeah, people Yeah, and people know. know you and they're like, oh, I'm going to go see you at fucking HaHa's in Indianapolis. But then the counter is just like, yeah, well, MTV's whole thing is they're an incubator. They're, they're the launching pad. Yeah. And they just continue to do it. They're not trying to uh, keep talent for a decade and they're not trying to spend any money. Yeah. And those two things go side by side where it's well, like, look, in it's, year four is when you can ask for more money. So they go, let's just keep them around for three years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, it's also the reason they can do that is because so many people want to work there. Yeah. And it's including myself. <laughs> like, I <laughs> remember, I you know, you walk into fifteen fifteen. There's the big escalators, and you know, you just think you're the coolest fucking person. Like if you're twenty three, twenty four, and you get that MTV ID, yeah, and you're going up those escalators, and it's the TRL studio on your right, and there's all these posters on the wall, and and, and it's something like. It's a network. You think you're the coolest. It's a production company, a network or whatever that you can tell your aunt, your mom, your niece or whoever. Yeah, and they, they all know what it's you're talking. It's not like, hey, I got a job at Vice. And my mom's like, what? Yeah. What, I'm working Miami at, Vice? I'm working at Atlas Media. No, they make some of the best shows yeah, you ever watch. It's like, yeah, they don't care. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's the cool. Also, it's the biggest shop in town in New York. Right. It's yeah. Like, unless you're like, I was an NBC page, but didn't get hired into any job at NBC. So then I was just like thrown out into the world right. with like, what do I do? And the, unless you go the production company route. Yeah. You either work at 30 Rock or 1515. Exactly. Those are your two buildings to choose. Inle from. Or you go into news and you're, you know, there's yeah. like those, but like really, if you want to do what we all do, it's 30 Rock or 1515. Right. And fifteen fifteen even more specifically because it's like they're not making like narrative television all the time. You know, what I mean, it's like yeah. it's a little it's all, all over it's the all, place. All. It's all alternative, right? So and also under that roof, you have. I mean, there's multiple buildings, but it's Spike, it's MTV, it's, it's MTV Two, it's Comedy VH1, Central, arguably exactly, yeah. Um, I Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, yeah, and that's like and what was cool. You're like go. They get you. They know if you intern at MTV, you don't get paid. You don't even work that hard, but you fucking get free soda and a lot. You know, you go out yeah. for drinks with like it's the producers. The best life. It was college for me again, and I I needed another like yeah. four. I needed well, like another three years. Of, I had the NBC page program, which was like graduate school. We right. were like you know all right out of college, like hooking up and we had like lockers yeah. in like a locker room and we all drank and gave tours drunk. And then to go from that to eventually being in the MTV system. Yeah. It was like another chunk of right. college. It's, yeah. Behavior. It's aggressive development. Like you're just like 23 years old. Everyone you're working with is like very bright, people who are doing a very dumb job for lack of a, like at least starting out as a PA, yeah. it's like these people are all want to be documentary filmmakers, Columbia grads, people from here, people from here, you know, just smart, uh, funny people or like uh, very talented. And we're all just doing the most basic, like, yeah, like listening to interviews and transcribe. We're just transcribing interviews or logging tapes. And we're all very smart and 22 years old. And we're fucking able to do our job my on almost zero sleep with like no, like there's no real responsibility. Job out of the page program. One of was a, I was a PA on in post production for Crank Yankers, and I was all, literally all I did was pick up cube truck in the morning, pick up puppets, drop off puppets, return cube truck. 
but like I had a blast. Right. Yeah. I was like adjacent to the puppets that were making the prank calls. Right. Right. It and it's like, like cool. And when you tell people I work on crank anchors, people know what that means. Yeah. And not like, my mom, but yeah, other exactly, people but knew what it is. Some people do. And then I, it was just a fucking wild fun time. So and then it's who like, put you on camera first? Well, uh, the Kevin Marr, who was a writer at, uh, who was a writer on uh, Bill Mars younger brother <laughs> Bill Mars younger brother way conservative uh, <laughs> he uh, he was a writer on best week ever and he put me on camera in some bits like playing Peter Jackson accepting an award or stuff that right. fit for me and then he was like uh, I even auditioned to be talent on the show and they like they just didn't even give me a fair chance right. like they like were talking like we're not paying attention to my video or whatever I'm like that's fine that's that's what yeah, they see you one way oh he's the PA right and my friend uh, Kevin Marr the same guy was like I think you should leave this job I'm like I want to do comedy what should I do he's like I think you should leave this job you have no wife you live in a shitty apartment yeah. you can go off unemployment for six months and and if you're a MTV PA unemployment is like forty dollars less it a week. It was like comparable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like, wait a minute, that, I could take a forty dollar a week pay cut and not work at all. That's like the <laughs> hardest decision though to make though when you because you still have that sense of responsibility. Like, well, it's a job. Like, I I should probably take the job over unemployment. Right, and like to t try to explain that to your parents, you're like, no, 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 don't worry, I'm going to collect unemployment yeah. and still live. I in always New York had City. such guilt about collecting unemployment. Me too, I but someone had such someone guilt. broke it down. That was like, you pay for it. I know, but yeah. I still it never worked on me. I always felt so terrible. I felt like such a shit. I did it. I took it. I did six I did months. It. Yeah, Believe me, I did yeah. It. I took six months of unemployment. Uh, oh, so uh, also a writer on the show, mutual friend and future guest of High and Mighty, Chris DeLuca. <laughs> who was a writer on Best Week Ever, he said, I'm leaving this job to be the head writer of the Spike TV Video Game Awards. I think you're really funny. We also have like this weird kinship. Now now we're like friends for over a decade yeah. and we've realized what our kinship is and stuff like that. But he was like, I like you. I think you're funny. These people are never going to give you a chance. Come, it's a six or seven week writing job. Yeah. And uh, and that was my step out of like, because I was just trying to get the best week ever to have a regular job because like my parents could not believe like, what do you mean it's only 10 weeks work? Yeah, they don't get it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Freelance. That's just how it is. Hashtag and, freelance. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean? No paid days off. What do you mean? No health insurance. Yeah. What do you mean? No, no, uh, anything, no, anything, no just benefits. Craft service. Yeah. <laughs> just free Barks root beer in the, <laughs> in the break room. Uh, soda fountain. Um, and he was like, and I was like fuck and then I was like alright I'm doing it and I left best week ever I also had like some issues with best week ever like I was passed over for promotion with people right. who started before me got bumped up uh, started after me got bumped up to APs Frangela got the PA job instead of you <laughs> Frangela <laughs> I wish uh, good friends of mine were just passing me and I was like oh is there a reason and they were like well you know you're kind of attitude because I, I had like stood up to the EP Fred Graver at one point and kind of yelled at him in, that a, big, dude. in a big meeting because I didn't like him. He was one of those people who I still I heard he like I I mean I heard he threw a phone through the like 16th floor window and that's what ended up getting him the first time around I think yeah. when he from when he was the president he yeah. had to like then leave or something but I wanted to say about DeLuca that's really the first time I I came in contact with you in a writer's room because I I was working for Spike uh, as a as like a head writer for the channel oh like you and stein right yeah i was like in that whole mix and yeah. then i kept saying i want to work on the award shows i want to work on the award shows and it was always this disconnect but they put me in a room for like a day or two and it was like you and dominic and right and 
DeLuca. Kurt Metzger and DeLuca. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Metzger, who was like never there because he was outside smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and um, Amanda Melson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first time I came in contact with you, which is which was interesting for me because I worked with Gino Tomac on yes. Web Junk, which was ama- my one of my first writing jobs, and it was an amazing one. because That got, was at VH1. I got to write for Patrice O'Neill. Which is which amazing. Which we can talk about. But I always was like trying to make Gino laugh. And Gino was like, you're funny, but you know who's fucking funny is John Gabrus. You got to meet this guy, John Gino Gabrus. has always loved me, and I can't tell if like he wants to he kept- fuck me kill me or hire me is like, I could never tell which one of those three. He kept, he always kept saying like this guy, John Gabrus, I'm telling you. And, and you know, until you meet the person that is being told to you, you hate funny, them. you're like, ah, oh, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. There's no way he's funny. Oh, another UCB guy. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like little bit, see you in that writer's room. But it wasn't until guy code honors in, in uh, San Diego where yeah. like we got, we like smoked weed and like <laughs> at the fucking baseball we, like, stadium. We like put on Petco a live Park show and- with like no, rehearsal <laughs> that we were like i was like ah oh, this guy's yeah. the best yeah so that's like my whole quick right what was were, were you one of you. was it like you stein and luke simmons I, possibly were like so the in-house luke, spike guys luke simmons chris carlson and stein were chris pro- carlson that's yeah. the other dude so they were I'm- promo writers i was in what was called day parts which we were writing mini tv shows like dinner in a movie like wraparound shows yeah like i because i always, i came from linear tv they right. were promo guys right and i was creating what were called interstitials like right. little pop-up shows yeah so i created like a bowling show called spare time with <laughs> the host was jen sturger who was the chick that brett Favre sent his dick to wow. <laughs> uh turns out she bowled at florida state which is why we hired her also, that's awesome also her boobs <laughs> um but like we just we, she I, had it all bowling so breasts I, yeah <laughs> brett Favre's dick on her iphone <laughs> number four's dick and uh I, so i had uh i was like a staff writer and i just kept begging to be on these award shows because spike had these three tent poles right and they and were they like would never do it they, right like, they were Casey like com- would, they were yeah. allegedly comedy front so it's yeah. like i want to work on that that's more and then, comedy like, the second one i did like a day in the writer's room but then you were like on stage doing bits and i was like man this guy i oh yeah that was the one where i was uh doing shit for jack jack black yeah yeah, yeah i was doing bits with him so then i was like oh this guy's on this guy's oh god and i still I, deluca was just here last night uh, my wife and i made pizza for him and his family i love it shout out to chris deluca shout one to, of my favorites yeah guest on sorry been so busy future guest on hi my uh we and we were just talking it's like he fucking it takes one person to just say like, "You're good. I like you." And then Deluca and I worked together for four, like three years straight yeah. after that. You were in and his I, Rat Pack. I was in his little rat, and like he got me hired at this company called Worldwide Biggies, where we made videos and uh, like video sketches and shit. But then I also got him hired on to bring it back to MTV when I was hosting the MTV show The Substitute. Yes, um, he was my writer. They were like, "Well, you can probably we can probably hire a writer for you." Yeah. And I was like. Hell yeah, I know exactly what who was I that, want. one season? Two. Two seasons. That's and it was great. great. It w- and it was like my first real money job. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I've heard you talk about it before. And I, yeah, you were in real schools. Yeah, the first season was real schools, which was You're crazy. Like that Tony Danza thing where he goes back. And, yeah, yeah, it was. It, uh, it made no sense. Second season we did like in a studio under the auspices that it looked like a classroom. And the right. kids kind of knew they were going to be on a game show. That was in like the silent library era of, of yes. like... Uh, ambush type ambush. 
ambush ambush reality uh, prank. Right, and kind of like pitting friends against each other was like all, and substitute scratch. It was cash cab in a high school classroom. And uh, they, I guess when they focus grouped it, they're like, they really like, people really like it, but no one gives a shit if it's an ambush because they all think it's fake. Now kids are so hip to reality TV. They're just like, it doesn't matter. We think it's fake anyway. And so they were like, Oh, let's shoot it in you're a studio. You're wearing glasses, hit, aren't you? Yeah. They shot it in a studio in like half the amount of time it takes. And not, probably <laughs> half the money. Right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, the only cool thing about that, the coolest thing about that job is something that has never happened to me since. But like, you know, it's like a strip thing. So you get paid for five episodes, but you shoot 20 or whatever. Yeah. So you get paid for five weeks, which is decent, still decent money. And then so you season get, two you was- You didn't get per app. You got like- a weekly yeah like a stripped out thing yeah right so and uh so it was like per four eps is really what the price was so it was like it was still good because it was still and then they rerun in fucking perpetuity yeah with no 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 residuals residuals. but the cool thing was for season two my contract said my minimum pickup was for 36 episodes and uh instead of 20 but they didn't want to throw the budget into 36 so they shot 20 again but, but i paid- got paid for 36 yeah. so i got like double time and yeah. i was like this is the best business in the world and then i almost haven't worked since <laughs> right well i just <laughs> i just remember like four seasons into boiling points when like the cast members were like making really fun money yeah i would never say they were making great money but like john you know people they were making like fun money like money where like you could go out and like money where you can do things yeah Yeah. and uh my friend uh streeter seidel now a writer on snl but um used to have a show called pranked on mtv with amir yeah and he he, we were friends back then he was like I want to write an article for like New York Magazine that's like these are the other jobs that MTV talent has because like MTV just right. doesn't pay enough that where it's like even like the substitute wrapped and I was like trying to get bartending jobs. I forget who <laughs> said it I think it was a Jersey Shore cast member. No it was The Miz sorry from The oh, Real yeah, yeah. he said you'll never get rich by uh, being on an MTV show, but you'll get known. Right. And that's just as much, just as important of a commodity. Yeah. In a way. Um, shit, dude. The Miz. So, oh, God. I love. Oh, that. I just I just started going to the gym again. As See, I told you I'd bring it up. By the way, Miz, 12 years in the WWE, killing it. I know. And you and you thought it was just like this corny ass bit he was doing when he was on. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's when I left Viacom. I did a million writing jobs and then I got WWE. Right, and you and did I that did, for like a year. I did and a half? that for a year. Oh yeah, and then got fired. Isn't that legendarily like as long as anyone lasts? Like everyone just does. There's a year? like three people that have lasted a very long time, uh, and then every then they just they chew up writers and spit them out. Like every New York production person has been contacted at one time or another from WWE because it's East Coast. It's Connecticut, which is weird, yeah. but. They pay, but it was a thrill for me because I was, and you were a big wrestling. I was a wrestling fan since I'm like going on my 30th year as a wrestling fan, (laughs) and so it was like a thrill. And then post that eight, uh, eight, nine months, it's become like a cottage industry for me because I do wrestling podcasts. Like I'm doing the Ringer tomorrow, right? Right, and like you're. Because you were behind, you saw Oz. You become this like expert. So right. I'm like on radio shows. Like I've, be- yeah, I've seen you. Uh, I've seen you have uh, responding to some people. I'm on, on this Twitter. Memphis radio station every Saturday before a pay per view, <laughs> as like the the guy who handicaps uh, pay per views. That's so. So fun. you just become this like ec- um, uh, expert in residence. 
Let's let's hear what was it like in that writers room. Oh I know goodness. we're supposed to be talking about MTV networks. No, but we'll get fuck. back to it. the writers. Oh, real quick, what I meant to say was at the gym. I saw Mark from Road Rules One and all the challenges. Well, a Jensen Carp's joke is always like, "There's one bar in LA where they all hang out," and he's like, "I know that bar." Like he doesn't know the bar, but he's like, "I know what that bar." Yeah, is. you would guess. You're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, all the Road I, Rules people, all the Bachelor like yeah. Bachelor Universe people, and all the real world people all hang out. Yeah. I think I saw Coral here yesterday. Yeah, Coral. That's who Miz. Isn't that who Miz? Like had called the N word and then he got in trouble and yeah I think so <laughs> his career almost died before it started I know and now he's like found a whole second life but let's hear it. WWE was the dream job that was also a fucking nightmare it was a it's a it's what everybody says it's it was shark infested waters I had no business having that job at twenty five. I had no confidence or producing skills at twenty five because I had just come off writing jobs. If I got the job now, I'd crush it. Right, but I'd you have, wouldn't take it, would I, you? Uh, no, not married. No, <laughs> I'd have the confidence to go up to the big show, who's a legit seven four four ninety five, <laughs> and be like, "Here's what I need you to do." Right. Whereas as a mealy mouth twenty five year old who thought I was funny, yeah, those dudes fucking shit on me. Right, of course. And then, then you add in Miss Vince McMahon and how intimidating he was, and like he yelled at me like a, a, an inch from my face. God damn it, that. Double take shit went out in the goddamn 80s. Go shoot it again. Like spittle from his mouth hitting oh, you. From like, some like double take bit you did in a prompt. You had someone yeah, do Yeah, like one of the wrestlers did a did like a Scooby-Doo like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it made air uh, in the house because the non-live show was Smackdown, which I write, wrote on. Oh. So promos and vignettes you produced backstage would air to the house and then Vince would watch them and say either give the thumbs up or in your he headphones you'd hear go see Vince which was like dead man walking yeah go see Vince means you're gonna have to reshoot that before the night damn it that's so funny here's something I heard tell me if this is a true uh, uh, or if it's just a myth that like once a week there's like a nine hour meeting with Vince yeah. at WWE well uh, semi true depending on what show you Again, this is 10 years ago. Things have changed. Yeah. But when I was there, you'd come back from TV Tuesday night. And then uh, Wednesday, the Raw team would be in there. And they'd have their marathon meeting with Vince where you'd be in at 10. And Vince wouldn't show up till like 2, 3 o'clock. And then you'd have to go through your whole, mo your whole meeting. Uh. And then the next day would be SmackDown. And we would do the same deal. And then technically, you were supposed to have like Friday off. But like there was always a phone call. There was always like shit to do. Yeah. And then Saturday again, you were supposed to have it off, but you'd have these epically long conference calls where like everything about every wrestler, about every storyline would be nitpicked to death with like Stephanie on the phone. And it was just crazy. You had no life. Was Triple H uh, an, a Not working? yet. Like yeah. he was still an active, an active worker. Oh, cool. But uh, it was a blast. Like I got like my first, road like being on the road the first time i like was in a limo driving from like topeka to wichita with dusty Rhodes, who was like my favorite the american dream Ooh, that's baby. so cool Wait, like uh, it was amazing um who baby is there any like writing lessons or like i love hearing like super show specific uh advice like oh well, so the thing there was like you couldn't pitch there was so there was so much politics that you couldn't just outwardly pitch something and own it. You had to, you had to um, qualify everything with, okay, this isn't the idea, 
Maybe okay, here's the thing. I have like a nugget. Like I'm gonna throw it out there. You guys make it something. This isn't the idea at all. Like you could never take any credit because the wrestlers in the room, the old retired wrestlers, would be like, "This motherfucker going into business for himself. Who's yeah. he fucking think he is?" Like Michael P.S. Hayes. You know, like when he, he uh, when I got renewed on my first 13 weeks, he called me into his office and he's like, um, "I want you to know we're renewing you." So I was like, "Oh man, that's amazing." He's like, "But." It's not like I'm running down to HR telling him we need to keep this kid. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> like, just He's like, we're renewing mindful. you, but you don't feel... Like, please don't be comfortable here. You're not doing a good job, here. but like, we, we, we still need you. I can't afford to have you enjoy your time here. So. Complete <laughs> mindfuckery. But like... The the positives like evened out the negatives because like you're on the road like Dusty Rhodes did you have and to do Paul a lot Heyman of, yeah and, did you go on a lot of road gigs were you at on? that time every writer we were all on the road like now they have a home team and an away team like people who just work in the office and send ideas and then the right like the writers with producing skills sort of go off and and do like and Matt they're, McCarthy they're at, and they're at all the film they're at all the you know Sunday pay per view Monday TV Tuesday TV whatever when I was there we all did everything and so. Again, that's why I say I could I, I wasn't equipped for the job because sure I could be in a writer's room and write bits and write storylines and promos, but once I got to TV and I had to like produce Booker T and Charmel, like I had no com- I had no confidence to to tell Booker T who's like dressed up as a king because he was King Booker like what I needed from him. Right, right, right. But then I, again, then I got to see like Ric Flair like blade his forehead in front of me and like blood oh. like bleed you know. Woo! He's my favorite. Uh, Let's hope he gets healthy. Yeah, he's doing better though, right? Shout out to Ric Flair, my favorite of all time. Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, my two, my top two. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm a Hulk. I'm a Hulk Ultimate Warrior, which probably puts me at exactly one or two years younger than you. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. Well, I was a huge Hulk. Or you were into wrestling before me. I was a huge Hulk guy. Ultimate Warrior came at a time where I was like. Fuck that WWF stuff. I love all, you know, because the NWA, you know, like the Southern wrestling just felt real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, These guys are really fucking killing each other with belt <laughs> buckles and cowboy boots. Yeah. <laughs> guys, the Sirius XM free listening event is right now. Look, August 23rd through September 5th, all you need is an inactive Sirius XM radio and you are getting over 100 free channels for two weeks. 100 amazing channels. The newest one is the Beatles channel. Have you heard of this band called the Beatles? I think they're from like England or something. I don't know much about them, but people seem to really like them. So much so that they get their own Sirius XM channel. Recommend checking out. I don't know about you, but we were... We're a Howard House and Opie and Anthony House. We listen to all that. But my thing, and you've heard me talk about this before, is fly. I, my my Sirius goes back and forth between uh, four stations, and I shall, I'll just tell you what they all are right now. Hip Hop Nation. I love tour, you know, tour, tour A, my tour guide, and Nina Nine, Target Practice, two of my favorite uh, Sirius shows there. I also listen to Fly, which is 90s hip hop and R&B and just the music I used to grind on girls to. So it's nice to hear that again. Backspin is all the hip hop that's from when I was too young, but I still am so excited to hear it. Anytime I could listen to uh, Eric uh, Eric B and Rakim, I'm, I'm ready to pop into that. And then I love First Wave. And I don't fully understand what the, the demographics are of First Wave, but it's kind of like New Wave-ish, 80s-esque, you know, that kind of stuff. And I love it. So those are my four main channels. But I'm telling you guys, Fly is new and it's dope and i guess these guys the beatles are also doing stuff so go to the url siriusxm.com slash headgum to learn more just one last time that is uh you uh www.siriusxm.com slash headgum you get two free 
weeks. Um, listen to whatever the heck you guys want. Bye. So then that ended. I got I got let go. Uh, like whatever, eight nine weeks in, and then uh, I w- literally like within a week I was on TRL. So you got thirteen weeks, and then another eight or so, and then got fired. Yeah. Yeah. I got like two thirteen weeks or, or somewhere in that second thirteen weeks. Yeah, period. and then so then you went to TRL. Like within a week I got TRL. Like a writer left, and I got hired, and that was where I learned to produce with Carson. No, it was Damien Fahey. Shout oh, out to right, Damien right, Fahey. right, right. And Vanessa Manillo, now Vanessa Lachey, which cut to like six years later, I wrote, you know, I produced Nick Lachey on Big Morning Buzz. <laughs> oh, so right. I worked for the couple. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I did uh, TRL like sort of during the dog days. But that's where I learned to produce because we wrote the script and then had to... J- go on the floor during the shoot and, and we were make, holding make cue cards yeah, yeah. and like we're ripping off words and writing it with Sharpie. <laughs> like I remember being on the floor in the middle of shooting live TRL and the news that Anna Nicole Smith died. And for some reason that was huge. That was like a big fucking deal. I remember that like too we, because people pre-internet, like pre-Twitter, all that stuff. So that us breaking that news was a big deal. Yeah. And we were like frantically scribbling on the cards, like these like heartfelt tributes. And I was like on this, like you're lear- you. It was really um, crash crash course on producing live TV because like, you're on the floor in the moment. You got to do it. You're like waving down Damien, like look at this card. Love Damien. What a great career he's like. What an interesting career. Now he's like a longtime Family Guy writer, but like again, to- shout out to Twitter, man. Yeah, right. He got because he like, crushed wait it on a Twitter. second. This like amazingly good looking guy with like yeah, who, like who's a strong host. He just like retaught comedy. the world that he was a comedian. It's like yeah. you know when you hear like Blake Griffin's like the funniest dude in real life, but he's also like. Like six eight dunking on fools on the right. clippers right well it's like Ar- when when it was revealed that arnold schwarzenegger can carry comedy you know what i mean you're yeah. like holy shit this guy looks like this for or some like- reason we're always really surprised but damien's just like this wonderkin yeah you know? yeah that's so fucking awesome but we had a blast like we're friends to this day because of those those that those times because like, that's a that's that's like peak mtv because you're working five days a week putting the, out a that show was every a great day because you're putting out a show every day you're in the studio and there's like like high school senior college freshman girls every day super high energy and they everyone think you're cool yeah because you have like a headset on <laughs> right and like you're going to scruffy duffy's on 8th avenue every day after work great wings <laughs> yeah sadly it's like a it is an, like an apartment building now but of course. uh that w- those were like great times do you, did you ever do Rudy's after fifteen fifteen? Yeah, of course. Uh, with of the course. free hot dogs. Free hot dogs. Imagine going to a you bar that's so f- trashy. It has eight dollar pitchers, but then one one up you with free hot dogs. When you're working at MTV, man, you need that. All of that. Oh, here's a crazy MTV fact. It used to be if you worked till if you worked after eight, you got dinner paid for by MTV through I forget what the program was but yeah, there's like yeah. that program we can get up to $35 per person or whatever. Yeah, so you do all whatever data entry really slow so you're there till 8. Yep, and then after 9 you got car service home. So yep. sometimes I when I was living at my mom's house in Long Island my first year working oh, there. Oh, well, that's great. I, I always li- I always somehow figured out a way to live in Manhattan. Oh, smart. Uh, <laughs> uh, no help from it like literally just made it work. So never had never took advantage of cars, but definitely took advantage of meals. Oh yeah. I mean I would eat like I would order from like one of those 
Asian owned Mexican places, you know, like those taco banditos yeah. or whatever, those types of places where the quesadillas are the size of like, so it's all the same. Like you, you there's like 50 of oh, these yeah. places in New York city. I would order $35. Barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could get two A meals. Out of, I would get two meals. I would eat, my yeah, dinner and, and then it bring home. it home and then eat that for lunch the next day or dinner the next day because I was not making enough money to stay alive. <laughs> the legend has it for, after an MTV holiday party, Jesse Camp uh, from Je- of yep. Jesse Camp and Dave the Holmes fame. DJ Search. Uh, can you bu- but can you believe the misfire? Like he talk was about like the- a meth addict who they hired to be the <laughs> new DJ. And and Dave Holmes is like a true artistic genius yeah. and they just went with the other guy because yeah. <laughs> he was wild they went with like the lead singer of the cure yeah and then jet allegedly uh there's like a little mtv legend that he took a car service after a holiday party to montreal yeah <laughs> like mtv paid black car service and it's like that would have been fifteen hundred dollars he just like fucking well there's the classic norm mcdonald snl stories where he would leave the show and instead of taking his car to the party he'd take it to ac well that makes sense but i have two uh great take advantage of the things mtv gave you stories one is was driving a cube truck for a gig and me and my roommate were we had to we were moving out of our upper east side apartment to another upper east side apartment (laughs) and uh i called him and i uh it was a friday and they were like hey can you return this cube truck and i was like sure uh when does it need to be back they're like well not till monday but we'd love it to go back tonight and i was like Great. So I called my room. I was like, yo, we're moving tonight. Free cube truck. Drove it up to East 90th Street. We, two guys, two little Jewish guys, we like moved our beds, our wall units, our TVs, everything into this cube truck. Drove it to the new apartment, unloaded it all. And I went and returned it to CNC Rentals. All on MTV's dime. That's fucking So shout out awesome. to MTV. That's Second one, John Murray, who you... You know, he yeah, went, he went yeah. to Marist, right? He went to Marist. He was a humorist, and yeah. he was a Stucky Murray. One of my, all, we're like three best friends, so, and we he was a second producer together. at uh, Best Week Ever yeah, for a was, while too. He, yeah, he was director on my series just now, Vidiots, but uh, literally one of my closest TV friends, and um, we came up together at Boiling Points. Got promoted together. And he was paid. Were you guys a page at the same time too? Yes. Yeah. So you were page with Stucky. His too, wife. Huh? I start. I started with Julie, his wife, on day one. We we were day one pages together. Stucky and Murray were older than me. Oh, cool. But we did sketch and together. Was a page too, right? Wait, were you? I in, don't know if he was a page, but he's he was way before me. But are, he was you working. In, you were in next at, Monday. Yeah. <laughs> he was working at Conan before. Uh, so he was, was a page before yeah, that. Yeah, we all thought DeLuca was a legend because he was like reception at Conan. Yeah, Meanwhile, he was a graphics like, coordinator at Conan. He, like, I remember he, not getting reception after being the SNL page and thinking my career was over. <laughs> but yeah, we were in Next Monday. We put we had like a sketch. I came and saw a show of Next Monday before I would have even known who you were. When I was in college, a group of us came down to see Murray's professional Murray sketch legend. group. Uh, yo, yeah, we got to see. He's in a, he's but in that a, launch, Stucky and Murray... Right. Yeah, that Ryan Noggle, who's writing on uh, Marlin right now. Oh, shit. A lot of people came out of that. And then um, I did Hank the Homeless Homosexual. That was like my breakout character. <laughs> he was a home. He was like a really, fl- like, um, he was a gay homeless guy. So he was like, he, he had like really dirty and dingy nice clothes. <laughs> and he hung out outside of Starbucks and asked people for their change. <laughs> but anyway. And Couldn't, uh, it was 2001. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> yeah. So he would ask for change so he could get a mocha frappuccino. 
Like really, you know. That is like, uh, and there was a song like I just I didn't know what I was doing sketch writing, so I just based it off SNL sketches. So I wrote a song in, right? <laughs> did the sketch and I wrote a song out, just like Hank the yeah, yeah. homeless homosexual. Uh, so wait, so Murray, oh, so Murray and I came up together in Boiling Points. Like we were both PAs. He got promoted to seg producer. I got promoted to writer. We got our, our uh, an office together, and the whole time because all of our actors. All the cast members were from UCB and MTV had this tuition reimbursement program, which I don't think exists anymore. And so we got MTV to pay for four levels of UCB improv for us because we wrote in the application, we're right. We're writing and producing all UCB talent. We need to, we need to learn how to speak their language. And they paid for levels one through four for us. I got levels, uh, uh, two, three and four paid for by really? MTV. Yeah. I've never found anybody else who did that. So cause that, I, that's I, amazing. Well, I, I straight up cause I was like, I thought all I was going to be secrets come out. I thought I was going to be a, I wanted to be a director originally. So I was like, I'm going to see if I can take a film class yeah. on MTV's dime. They might but still have it. I don't know. The amount of money was weird. Like I couldn't fully understand. But then when I found out like, um, they would do it for UCB classes. I was like, oh, I no, I had done level two already because I did level one summer in between junior and senior year. And I was like, maybe I could see if they'll pay for level three. And, and and I had them pay for sketch level one. It's too. a lot of money. Right. Yeah, it's that 300 was, something dollars. That was yeah. like uh, our big coup. That's was so that awesome. So cool. I didn't even know you guys did that. That's great. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, I've been all over the we place. We haven't talked about The Lodge. Let's talk a little okay, bit about the, lo- the Lodge. My joke, my running joke is always that uh, I want to take over the whole operation. If I can have any job in 1515, it's to take over The Lodge because it's they make so many mistakes. It could be it, so cool. It should be fucking like Google. And it's right. And they make right. so many why mistakes. Why is it not? Yeah. Why is it not like you hear about like Google? the Condé Nast uh, right. cafeteria yeah. and the YouTube cafeteria? My thing is like. I'm, oh, so the lodge is the uh, like what? That's the ca- sixth floor, fifth floor in fifteen fifteen. Yeah, seventh floor, seventh whatever. floor. And there's like that's our the it's cafeteria. cafeteria. Yeah, and uh, and it's like slightly subsidized, right? It's like ten percent. Yeah, less, it, so yeah, you definitely will, if you eat there every day, you save a bit of money rather than trying rather to than eat going in into Times Square yeah, and yeah. going to Virgil's Barbecue. Right, but um, it always annoys me that uh, they have a salad bar. And then one of their specialty lines, one week a month, will be salad. So they'll do specialty salad. So that's of like, let's say five stations, now two are salad. Yeah. And if you're like me, it's like, I'm like, I want like a protein and a rice. Like I want right. a, protein a protein and a, and a quinoa, starch. Yeah, you yeah. know? It, it it would like drive me crazy because then one one line sandwiches like I try not to eat bread during the week like this is like later on in yeah, my yeah, yeah. you know post thirties like I can't eat anything anymore uh, and so like that drives me crazy the lines hit each other like they remodeled the lodge and made it less uh, conducive to conducive to uh, like success <laughs> less productive right like stations are across from each other so if you're in line like lines hit each other. It's just it makes no fucking it's sense. Awful. And then but it is cool. Like, I remember the first time because the lodge is in fifteen fifteen, my which is fifteen fifteen Broadway where TRL was filmed. Where you think MTV is if you've ever been the to center Times of Square. the universe, right? Sixteen thirty three is at fiftieth and Broadway, and that's where I. W- so we didn't have the lodge. Yeah, there's no lodge. But there. every once in a while, it would be like 
let's make a because you you really can't even take a lunch at that job too much too yeah. often only rarely uh, we ate at Kosi a lot because we had a Kosi yeah, in yeah, our that's lobby right there. with the free bread I would be hungover I would just like walk in there grab like a handful I just last week had uh, I was in 1633 for the first time since working in that building because a bleacher report is now in that building oh wow and cool. I had like a little thing there and uh, I was just, like super flashbacks to that's spending so hours awesome. in that building <laughs> um, we w- I do remember though like early on in my career going Going to the lodge from 1633 and being yeah, like, like the power move. Yeah. And being like, we're making a break for it. Go there, go in. And who's, who do I, who do I sit like directly across from while I hammer down my sandwich? Sway. So that, I was to just going to say, you always see Sway. Sway's the only, Sway's Sway, the like, only town the that eats the lodge. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just so awesome to be like, oh fuck, that's Sway. That's yeah. so cool. He steals rolls and puts them in his schmata. <laughs> Holy shit. This just reminded me of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite MTV uh, VH1 stories stories so a big thing when i was there was global emails because it, bef- it pre like yeah you're in the global yeah i'll find you in the global yeah search uh search engines were there but like not that yeah. great and you needed so you would do like does anyone know music videos that feature um chickens being hatched or that whatever dude, henry the henry v- brown yeah henry brown downtown would, henry brown he would send out the uh the the like global request like yo i got two t- like uh two tickets to you know natalie and brulia at yeah. webster hall <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he would also every time he saw me because I looked like this dude Mike Haig who also went I to know Mars. Mike Haig. Yeah. yeah, he's like a chef now, right? Yeah, he's a chef in Rhode Island or something. He was. I looked like him. We went to college together. We were both heavy set bearded guys, and then he got me my internship at VH1, and I kind of just followed him there. And uh, he called him uh, Chula or Chola from the episode of uh, South Park where J Lo is on the hand, <laughs> and it's like Chola. Chola, whatever, and so then he started calling me Chulo, Chulo, and then he started calling me Chulo, and I was called Chulo for the five years that I worked with him. Um, but the global email thing was such a big thing. You would like people would accidentally do company wide globals instead of like floor wide globals. There was like big, <laughs> and one time, if you remember correctly, you were probably there. Uh, you probably got the email. Someone accidentally sent out an email that was like health insurance or something, but it was not BCC'd. Yeah. And it was every single MTV, yeah. uh, MTVN mix, MTV networks, MTV staff, every single one of those email addresses were all there. So slowly but surely, the biggest reply all bit of yeah. all time happens. Phenomenal. Huge reply all. And it's, I'm, we're reading it at our desks in the pit, which was this area where the PA sat. Sterical laughing. The peach pit. People were, yeah, we were at the Peach Pit. We were yeah. left the max to go to the Peach Pit. We were writing, um, like, the reply alls were, like, classic, like, hey, guys, there's cake, like, but people were being vague, so it's even funnier. Right. It's like, cake in the pantry, because that would be one global you'd get for, like, the sixth floor. It'd be like, Which uh, there's like a ton every, of leftover bagels from this Every shoot. day, somewhere in 1515, someone's having a birthday. cake <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometime at, like, 4 o'clock. I worked with a guy, John Michaels, I think was his name, and he had the best, like, empty Brett Michaels. Jo- yeah, it was Brett. Sorry. I, he had, like, he uh, mirror sunglasses, long, greasy hair, and yeah. a singlet. Um, no, this guy, John, he one time said, I love working on MTV because I like to eat cake off of coffee filters. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Never there's never plates. plates. Yeah. You're just like, grab a coffee. But so this reply all email is going 
insane. Everyone's doing bits. Anything that you would send in a uh, in a global is being replied all, and everyone right. is having a field day with it. A lot of people are saying like unsubscribe, which is not going to work when the email list is like ten thousand people. Yeah. Kurt Loder replies all and is like, this is an intrusion of my time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like, it's like a really intense, like terse email and then hits send. And then someone whose name I'll never remember, but replied all guy. Hey guys, Kurt's right. Chill with the reply alls. And then that was a reply all. And everyone just kept going, guys, guys, listen to Kurt. Kurt. And it's keeping Kurt on the email. It was just like the funniest so fucking good. thing. And just to see Kurt Loder. And then you're like looking through and you're like oh where's serena alshul's email <laughs> like, yeah you're like, exactly <laughs> that's a way you can steal emails for like job inquiries when you when you get laid off yeah <laughs> what's sad is i did like a month at fuse remarkably i never had to work at fuse except for uh, one month with gino on this insane clown posse tv show uh, a lot of people would pop over to Fu fuse had like a weird because it was like where they hired people who fuse hated was, mtv fuse uh, was like adjacent mtv adjacent but they were only 1099 so it was like yeah. the most insane place that you would not pay any taxes but it was an open office it was an open floor where everyone was in cubes and i remember showing up the first day and kurt loader was just in a cube amongst like pas and oh. stuff and, and he's like in his 60s which <laughs> He still looks like, you know, Kurt I did Loder. a lot of jobs at Fuse as and well. And I was just like, <laughs> that just made me really upset. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I, can I was understand. like, he's got his headphones on, like he's trying to write this like brilliant piece of yeah. music journalism and he's <laughs> like surrounded by like a PA taking lunch orders. I did a Fuse show called Hoppus on Music a bunch of times yeah, as a guest and John Murray, formerly mentioned, yeah. was a producer on it. They're like still, but they still communicate. Yeah. Uh, I and think John's Amy, in Blink-182 now. Amy Schumer was the co-host. Yeah. Talk about people who just like... and she, Again. I, I was just like this... I, I was like, I know your stand-up because I follow stand-up and I'm a, I'm from Long Island, so I appreciate... I know who Chuck Schumer is. And I know... And that's amazing. Oh, shit. And then like a year and a half yeah. later, I'm like, oh, shit. Now I, you're the biggest star Yeah, and now. I'm like, fuck. Well, I wish I would have stayed in touch with Amy Schumer. Yeah, I <laughs> wish there was a reply all with her, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. For fuck's sake. Hello. Although, here's the thing. Here's a little known trick about Hollywood. You could probably guess most celebrities' email addresses. Yeah. <laughs> Amy Schumer 1 <laughs> at, at gmail.com. <laughs> John Ham at John Ham. Ham on Rye <laughs> at, at excite.com. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite? Uh, we're coming down the home stretch here, but what was your favorite MTV job you ever held? The or best job of all of them. Web Junk was amazing getting to work two years with Patrice O'Neill, who uh, obviously has passed away, and like knowing that I was had no business getting that job as like a was Greg Wax the producer yes. on that? Wax, Wax is one of my boys. He's one of an old Wax buddy too. That's so funny. But uh knowing that like I was this like five eight white Jewish kid with barely any writing credits and Patrice like let me pitch jokes to him and yeah. like made him laugh. Like that gave me the confidence to walk into any writer's room and right. with scant credits and be like, well I just wrote for Patrice O'Neill, so I'm pretty sure. I remember hearing that Patrice O'Neill had such a great attitude towards web junk where he was like, it's bullshit or whatever. You yeah. know, he would like shit on he it, knew but work hard and make it funny still. Yeah, but then at the end, like he saw that uh, he saw that somebody got a billboard and then he wanted a billboard and yeah. that like kind of led to like him leaving the show. It was like a whole thing. But <laughs> the best, uh, my favorite Patrice story is the last time I saw him was outside of 345 Hudson, which is another MTV sort of enclave. Yeah. I walk out, I see him. I was like, oh, I was like, we, we have like a conversation. I was like, ah, oh, Patrice, I was just thinking about you. And I go into some fucking story and I finish the story and he goes, you know what? 
I never think about you. And he just walked away. <laughs> that is. But that's Patrice's way of being like, yo, man, I'm glad to see you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. It's just a great, like, he will yeah. fucking leave you. Well, Gino Tomac, who we talked about earlier, they got super close. Yeah, they were buds. He they was really upset. I remember I was, I knew, I was yeah. working with Gino. Gino gave me an IFC job called Lunchbox, where I would host like a. Every Friday, like a different person was hosting. I already a, love the show because it's called Lunchbox. It's a great name. It's Lunchbox. It it came on at noon on ifc.com and wasn't streaming or anything like that. It would stay up, but on like Mondays it was politics with this po- political writer. On Tuesdays it was film with right. this film, and on Fridays it was random and it was me. Yeah. I hosted Fridays. It was like, have you heard of this weird ass website or do you guys know what that's, fucking noodling is? You know, that's like, why I always tell people because um, people often you know younger. People in the biz will ask. They'll be like, "I'm thinking about moving to LA." And my thing, like, I've never lived here. My thing is, there's more rules out here. There are no fucking rules in New York. Yeah, like, a Gino who you know from their last gig would be like, "Yo, you want to do this thing on Fridays?" Be like, "Done." Yeah, I, I, I've told a ton of people. They're like, "How'd you get a start in the business?" I was like, "I would say like my first ten jobs after working at VH1 and uh, MTV Networks." All came from connections I had from working at MTV. Yeah. And and I think there's like the the silver lining to MTV not being a, a great place to work forever in, in like a staff position. Yeah. Because because of that, you get to know so you've worked on so many shows. You have so many people that are like, shit, I need a writer. Let's get gold. You know what I mean? Like, well, I- there's so many people that you've worked with that are now des- uh, disseminated around MTV and broader where it's just yeah. like, I, how many people that I started with working in production now work at like the most, like, so some of my best week ever people that I shared cubes with, one works for the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. one works in Boston in film. They like all like they're everywhere. scatter and cuz they're all people who are driven, but it's not a necessarily a job you can keep forever. Especially yeah. if you switch to writer, that's a different story. I definitely fell into a rut of my like whatever job I was on would be like winding down and I'd be in the lodge and I'd run into so and so and they'd be like, Hey, what are you doing? What do you what do you got next? And I'd be like, Nothing. And they'd be like, Hey, you want to write this Britney Spears clip show? And I'd be like, Sure. Yeah, right. And like <laughs> never increase my rate, never, you know, because it was just like friends. And I was just like, Yeah, I'll yeah. work for six more weeks, whatever. Right. And then Well, that's the other thing about MTV too, because there's uh, and that freelance lifestyle where it's like your rate doesn't matter like your rate versus how many weeks the job is is like a, yeah. a scale you can do where you're like I'll take a less rate if you promise me I don't have to look for work for 10 oh, weeks. Oh, longevity <laughs> outweighs, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, you know, I would take a shit rate if I knew it was 6 to 8 weeks cuz then I was like, "All right, well I got my rent paid for for another 2 months." Right, exactly. But like and I so like I said, I definitely fell into that rut and then you know, in the last uh you know, I went to Spike for 4 years, came out of that and then that's sort of where I made the transition from writer to producer and producer to showrunner. And now yeah. I, I have an agent and it's like, now like my agent's like, do not say yes to anything. Right. Without Talk to, talking yeah, yeah. To <laughs> and that's, it's a and great, that's, and I love having that. And I'm glad to pay the 10% to that person. Cause Again, I, just the way I am, I would shake anybody's hand and say, sure, I'll do eight. I mean, I'll that's the problem. I think that, like I always say, like I can't believe I'm saying no to any work. You know what I mean? But yeah. at some point in your career, I'm, you have to start saying like I'm actually, just now no. turning stuff down, and it's like I 
easily would have taken that job and had a blast doing it. Right. It's like that weird thing where it's like, it so, feels so awful to say no to something because then like... Who the fuck am I to say no? Right. I don't deserve... I deserve whatever I can get. But, and then the other the other uh, answer to best gig w is, you know, my last one, my first show running, my first series as a showrunner is called Vidiots, which is now on MTV2. It's through Bird Brain, Ryan Ling, Guy Code Universe. But it's great because, you know, you get to hire your friends. And right. I worked with John Murray, John Friedman, yeah. Matt Kroll. Um, Love all these Pat guys. Pat Driscoll, who... You, I, I, don't, I, I know adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't so, know personally. Yeah. Raya Backer, like all these amazing people. And like, we're just in an office all day watching music videos, writing jokes. like, And then the cast, come on, like Derek Gaines, Monroe Martin, Andrew right. Schultz, Akash Singh. Such you know, funny. Annie Letterman, Carly yeah. Acolino, like the... like. You know, murder, code, murderers fucking row. Yeah. It's and so we had a blast for eight months. Right. A fucking blast. It was the most fun I've ever had on a, uh, on a, on a gig. Right. And it's uh, one part being higher up in the power. And then another part being like, these are all people I've worked with previously proven that we're, we yeah. get along and that they are good. And I'm and confident. Ryan's got, and bird brains got their shit down. Like right. they have great people. Ryan's that, like, a great guy to work they for. They protect, him. you know, as a showrunner, they protected me so much with like production management was like solid court. Right. Everything post was so fucking solid. Like all yeah. I had to really work. Shout out to Katie like, Schwartz. Katie Schwartz, everybody. <laughs> I just had to, and like Dan Kuvalakis. Like right. I just had to worry about creative and like the edit and like putting the shows together and, and making sure the cast was happy and the producers were happy. And it was so much fun. Like to, now I, it's like things are coming up and I'm just like waiting for us hopefully a second season because right. I was like, I'll gladly take another season of you know, videos yeah, just because yeah. it's so it was so much fun. Yeah. So let's take uh, this seems like a natural transition to plugs. Let's. Uh, People should check out Vidiots now that it's on MTV. Just find MTV it on two? MTV Two. It's start. Yeah. It's starting to uh, marathon. So it's oh, okay. it, like t like the other night it was two a.m. to four a.m. They played like four episodes. <laughs> slap slap it on your DVR. But check it's out Human Vidiots. Beavis and Butthead. Like there's no reason this show shouldn't be on TV. It's your favorite comedians watching music, new newish and like classic music videos like fucking Rick Astley and like it, it's in between uh, two famous VH1 shows it's best week ever meets pop-up video which yeah. is like all you can ask it's for so it was so much fun so like pop-up video was so cool when it came out and how much cooler would it be to have Annie Letterman read the jokes rather oh than you reading them as written yeah um and so so check out videos find it in your DVR set a D, set a season pass and you'll just find it and it's it, it's a really really fun show and if this uh New York production world or New York comedy people or unheard of New York talents that uh, appeals to you at all, I highly recommend checking out yours and Goldidge's podcast. Sorry, Sorry I've, I've been, been so, so busy. busy. Yeah. Uh, you can find us in iTunes. We're into the Showbriz Studios family. And we talk to uh, really busy people about what they're uh, busy doing or not so busy people about what they're like lying about busy being busy <laughs> with. Because like our whole thing was... In New York, and I'm sure it happens in LA, you like run into somebody like, yeah, let's get beers next Thursday. And then inevitably next Thursday comes, and you're like, who do I have drinks with? Oh, yeah. fuck, no way. Like, yeah. And then you're like, sorry, man, I'm too busy. Right. So we're like trying to get to the bottom of like what, like, <laughs> what we're actually busy with. Yeah. But we've had like, we just had Mark Webb on who directed Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, 500, 500 Days of Summer. Summer. Yeah. Like, he, um, only living boy in New York right now. Um, we've had like... Uh, from like Adam Wade and to, to Michelle Collins to Michelle, and Michelle Adam Collins. Wade we had Neil, Neil Brennan real quick Adam Wade one of the funniest dudes ever was the writer's assistant yeah. on Spike TV Video Game Awards dude was not a Wade. good writer's assistant uh, Ditko 
got, you know. Yeah, but now Wade is like a storytelling superstar. He's like the face of the Magnet Theater. He's yeah, he always cl- has been a storytelling he's, superstar, but he was uh, he can't handle like yeah. collating documents. I know. <laughs> he's paying rent by teaching storytelling. Like it's yeah, amazing. It's awesome. So like Neil Brennan, we had Pat Kiernan from New York One, who if you've Love ever it. lived in New York, he does in the papers. Also, a I was on a game show called Studio Seven that Pat Kiernan was the was uh, he say, read the in questions on. That's it. how. That's how we booked him because Goldich worked on World Series of Pop Culture with him, right, yeah. a VH1 show. Oh, so check out the Goldich episode of this podcast because we talk about, about game, game shows. shows and there's so, a lot of MTV talk in there. So sorry I've been so busy. That's why we're in LA. We're doing a day of recording. So uh, you're going to be a guest. And, yeah, I and can't wait. We have some uh, awesome guests uh, lined up. So that's that. And then this is totally random, but I wrote this uh, super ridiculous article for ESPN about the Mayweather-Conor uh, McGregor fight. I've been unemployed, so I had the time. <laughs> and they asked me to book... McGregor versus Mayweather like WWE would because again like I have this cachet as a former WWE (laughs) writer so I basically wrote like 3,000 words on a month's worth of Monday Night Raw storyline for Conor McGregor oh that's awesome so it's a complete fiction it's basically a writing sample for the WWE like what your writing sample is but I did it for Mayweather and McGregor but I I integrated like the Miz in it and Vince and (laughs) Stephanie and Triple H and right, well we'll tweet that out too because this this episode will come out this Thursday yeah if you go to my Twitter at Angegold A-N-G-E-G-O-L-D it's pinned to my profile yeah so tweeted us some of your favorite MTV shows if you formerly worked at MTV Networks and know uh, and want to play Jewish geography with who worked with production who production geography yeah uh, tweet at uh, A-N-G-A-N-G-E-G-O-L-D and, and me at and Junkie tweet Bush. us your favorite meals at the lodge like do you, did you like the chicken salad did oh you the li- big thing me and my buddy Brian Hacken would do was, I know Brian Hacken yeah we uh, we had it called 5pm dumplings uh, and there was a you know those pay per pound hot buffets yeah it after f- after five or after four, whatever. Like the cranberry time, across it, the street. Yeah, it would bump down one dollar a pound. Wow. After four, because it's been sitting out that. all day. So we would just go and get what we called five p.m. dumplings. They were like fucking apples. They were like rock hard and like and dried out. Yeah. But we would go and be. So it would good. be like six bucks for like twenty of them. Yeah, like the the dumpling wrapper sort <laughs> yep. of coagulates. Yep, exactly. Did you ever go to um the Cuban place in Times Square? Uh, oh, uh, Margon. Mar- fuck, dude. Um, that's a, that's, that's the one hidden, of my. That's the hidden gem of hidden gems if you ever have to work in Times Square find Margon Stucky took me there like uh, a Rice year ago beans. and I've gone back I made Ling meet me there for lunch anytime I'm Chicken. in LA in New York yeah. and then the secret and then they had like the dope Cuban sandwich and then in the back they have a grill and they make this steak sandwich that's incredible the, the Cuban sandwich is so good there and the, I really love the octopus salad too can you uh, before we go I did I, just a, a little bit about food what was the sandwich that you your sandwich like back from your hometown I think you talked about it Oh, uh, my the- dream sandwich Is the My Hero Chicken Cutlet Which is Chicken Cutlet Bacon Cheese Lettuce No Tomato Mayo Yeah, yeah. I think tomato ruins a sandwich It's too it's too liquidy. It's too liquidy. I think tomato ruins uh, most sandwiches. I think the only sandwich I could picture it working on is turkey, and even then, I don't like it. You know, uh, two things uh, on the flight. One of the breakfast little boxes they offered me was uh, two Belgian waffles with turkey in the middle. And, and how I was, was like it? that? No, I didn't get that. It's disgusting. <laughs> I, got, I got like the cheese plate. But uh, more importantly, <laughs> we fly Delta. Yeah, of course. M- more importantly, <laughs> Comfort Plus. 
No. Oh, I okay. sat literally the last row of the flight where you have to sit at a 90 degree angle the whole flight. Oh, with the toilet right behind you. <laughs> no toilet. It was okay. the state. It was like the attendance station. But like you can't recline your seat. So you're you're sitting like perfect posture the whole flight. Oh, Jesus. But um, what's one? Where's one place I should eat while I'm out here? Oh, fuck, dude. Like Animal. your place. Like Animal the John- on Fairfax. Animal. Yes. I think. That's all meat, right? No, it's like it, it's a meat focused place, but it's not all meat. It's I from think the I've guys. Been there. Give me the one vo- more. Okay. I think I'd been I think I've been there. Oh shit. Uh have you had Jitlada? No, it sounds disgusting. It's it's like a Jizla. specific Thai place. It's fucking really? awesome. What neighborhood? It's like right by UCB Sunset, so it's like sort oh, of in far? Thai town. Yeah, it's just it's like a few blocks east of Western on Sunset. Jitlada? Jitlada. I will send you a link to it. I highly recommend it. I it's the uh, get the celebrity. I have chicken. a baby mama named Jitlada. <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have two when you leave. My joke this week has been Antifa. You know this like new fucking terminology for <laughs> yeah. anti-fascist. It sounds like a it sounds like a girl that went to high, I went to high school. With. She played like women's basketball. She had a kid in Antifa grade. is uh, Antifa had a kid in ninth grade. <laughs> um, it's really funny that we're trying to come up with words to demonize people Antifa who are Jenkins. anti-fascists. <laughs> um, oh, you know my sister Antifa. <laughs> Check out Jitlada. Check out... Wait, I'm shouting that to fans. <laughs> For you, that's Check Out Jitlada. For me, if you live in LA, check out Jitlada. Also, if uh, uh, hit me up on at John Gabris. Oh, uh, here's the thing, guys. Tweet at me if other people you want me to have on the podcast. Give me some ideas. Maybe they'll see their names tagged and be like, who is this John Gabris asshole? I'll do it. Um, buy shirts at gabris.com slash shirts. Um, listen to the Action Boys Patreon, patreon.com slash actionboys. And there's a couple other things in the works that you'll be hearing about shortly. Andrew, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on the pod. Buddy. I'm this so pumped great. to have you. I'm so pumped to see you are still alive despite wearing a black hoodie and black sweatpants in I Los lost Angeles. like 10 pounds. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, it looks like you're in a uh, fight training right now. I'm wearing a tinfoil running suit. <laughs> you're on the Airdyne bike. Like, <laughs> um, bye, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.